Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 231st edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Fred Brown looking. Oh, way to worthy! Worthy five! The Star Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. They're out of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump make for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gadgum champions. Love, guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb from straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're with you guys once again tonight. Going to recap Carolina's 85-61 win over Boston College in the second round of the ACC tournament as Carolina will advance to the quarterfinals. They'll take on the two-seed Virginia on Thursday night at 7 p.m. We're going to take a look at the box score, provide a quote of the game from Huber Davis, give our stat of the game, and so much more. And, buddy, let's go ahead and let's dive right into this thing. Um, You know, I think we expected Carolina to win. We both picked Carolina to win, but we kind of identified it as a a game that was maybe going to be a little bit more challenging than what we saw on the court tonight. Boston College was an improving team over the the back half of the ACC. They had three wins against ranked opponents. They won two games in the tournament last year. They won yesterday against Louisville, so they already had some rhythm and some confidence coming into tonight, but you know, after a relatively quick start for BC, Carolina just really took control of the game. Ew, excuse me, with a 16 to 2 run. Um, the game was tied 10 to 10. And then it was sort of as if Carolina, I'm not gonna say they woke up, but they just started getting after it even more so defensively. Shots started falling on offense. And once they built what was at one point, you know, a 26 to 12 lead. There was just no looking back. Uh, they would lead by as much as 27 in the game, the most of any game so far against an ACC opponent this season. Um, as they put together, arguably, maybe their most complete performance of the season 
at a time when they need it the most. Um, you know, in years past, if you won 20 games and you were above 500 in the ACC in the regular season and you won an ACC tournament game, you would be in the field. That's just not the reality of the situation right now for Carolina. Um, they, they've got to win, you know, at least one more to maybe feel better about their chances, but they at least got to get to Saturday to feel comfortable uh, making the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, the only thing that really came out tonight that was negative was Armando Baycott did leave the first half with four and a half minutes left to go after turning an ankle, but he did come back out in the second half and was ready to play for all in all, uh, a, a night that Carolina needed to have and has the vibes feeling like this team is is ready to go on a long run here in Greensboro. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is like you couldn't really do anything to push yourself closer. I mean, you're kind of you're, you're waiting to see some of the results of some of these other games of teams that are in front of Carolina on the bubble. But the one thing that you could have done tonight was eliminate yourself from the postseason. So first of all, a win is a win for Carolina. And, you know, for, I, I think tonight, though, what you saw was something that was very encouraging. And that was kind of what I think this team needed to get a little bit of confidence underneath them once again. Because, yeah, I mean, it it, it would have made some sense if they came out and this was a game that Carolina struggled through. They're, you know, I mean, we've seen that throughout the year. Um, but, you know, th this team responded well to that loss to do. They know that uh, there's a chance that they could see that team again. Uh, when I was filling out my ACC bracket, I think that's probably how it'll work out because I think that Duke is, is probably the team that comes in playing the best basketball in the ACC. So for Carolina, you could tell that there there was a clear focus tonight. And that's the thing. I, I, I said it in the preview. What was the mindset of this team? The mindset of this team was that we have to win. And in this one, I think they also felt we got to win convincingly to sort of show people um, that we're a team that's firmly on the bubble and we are going to make a push for the NCAA tournament. So you, I, I think you look at the performances of some of the guys tonight, that backcourt, that was one of their best performances that they've had all season long. Um, you know, Pete Nance, I thought stepped up again. You know, he was really quiet the other night against Duke. And I thought he played really, really well in this game, scored 10 points. And I thought it was huge after Armando Baycott left the game playing at the five. I thought he did a good job against Quentin Post uh, and, and, I thought he, you know, was able to hold his own inside offensively uh, when Baycott wasn't able to be in the game. So overall, I mean, yeah, one of their best performances of the season. And I don't know if if many people saw that coming off of that loss to Duke, having to open against a team that played yesterday. And I mean, Heck, they came out of the gate, hit two threes, and I thought to myself, "Here we go, we're going to be in for a bad, for for another one of these types of uh, type of nail biting games." But that was not the case at all. Once Carolina sort of hit their stride in that first half, they never really looked back. And uh, Jay Billis at one point tried to will this game back to being a competitive one. 
when the lead was cut to 18, saying that Boston College had made a run and this thing wasn't over, but Carolina never let it get anywhere closer than that uh, down the stretch of the game. And a lot of credit needs to be given to these guys. Yeah, no, I I think this team, uh, I think they know what they're up against. I think they know what's on the line. As much as Schubert Davis doesn't want to admit that, you know, they've got to go pretty far in this thing to make the NCAA tournament, the players know. Um, and I, I think that's a big reason why you, you, you saw the way they played tonight. I thought they were once again, as active defensively as they've been all season long. Um, and that was after, you know, Makai Ashton Langford made his first three shots and then they switched Leaky Black on him. He finished a half one, uh, one, one for his last six. So Carolina was engaged defensively. The ball moved offensively, and that's why they had the type of offensive night that they had. And, you know, we talked about this, you know, throughout the season is, you know, if Carolina could get games into the high 70s and into the 80s, there are only a, there are only a hand, handful of teams that can score with them. NC State and Miami really come to mind. It seems that want to play – you know, that that brand of basketball. So once Carolina got this game into the 70s, uh, I, I felt really comfortable with where this result was going to go. Um, and, and now they get in and, and now they're moving on and have another chance to extend their ACC season and keep their NCAA tournament hopes alive. Let's take a look now at the box score, uh, which is brought to you by DraftKings. And it's a pretty one for the Tar Heels. They shot 55% from the field, an efficient 34 of 62. Meanwhile, BC was 45%. They were 24 of 53. Carolina, remember the first matchup, 10 of 29 from three. Big reason why they beat Boston College in that first matchup. Tonight, they were 10 of 24, 42%. They held Boston College to 7 of 21 triples, 33%. Not a lot of foul shots in this game, as both teams just played really good defense without fouling. Carolina 7 of 10 from the foul line. Uh, meanwhile, Boston College was 6 of 8. Carolina with just 7 turnovers, which led to just 7 points for Boston College. Meanwhile, 13 BC turnovers led to 16 Carolina points. The Heels won the rebounding margin 33-26, 23-19 on the defensive glass. 10 to 7 on the offensive glass, and Carolina turned their 10 offensive rebounds into 16 second chance points. Meanwhile, uh, Boston College, those seven offensive rebounds, just eight second chance points. Bench points. Boston College's bench did outscore Carolina's 27 23. Um, so Carolina got a lot of bench production tonight. And Quentin Post, a guy that Jordan Cornette said last night during um dur during the louisville boston college game that he would not be available to play nah. well, he played tonight and scored 13 points off the bench for the eagles oh points jordan jordan you're not doing anything anything to help your case here bro oh yeah wow. no he, he remains one of if not the worst broadcasters at the acc network you know what though it's it's okay it's okay jm it's okay man you're one of my guys we all make mistakes Okay. Um, points in the paint, 36-28 Carolina. Fast break points, 5-2 to two Carolina. Blocks, 6-1 to one Carolina. Steals, 5-4 to four Carolina. UNC with 16 assists on 34 made baskets. 
Boston College, 10 assists on their 24 made baskets. Uh, the game was tied three times for a total of two minutes and two seconds. There was just one subtle lead change. Overall, Carolina led for 36 minutes and six seconds. Let's move on now to the quote of the game where you would imagine that the conversation was going to be around the health of uh, Armando Baycott's ankle. And Hubert Davis told the media, quote, Armando was just now leaving the locker room when I came, as he came in for his press conference. And he said he felt really good. I've never seen anybody sustain ankle sprains and be able to come back like he can. I got to agree with that. As a guy that has suffered through a horrific injury like oh, myself. No. And was not he able taken so many episodes off of this storyline. Oh. You know, and I was able to come back and fight through it. But that was just one injury. I mean, Armando has hurt his ankle. Ankles, plural. You're talking five or six times since last March. And, you know, there were times where you just didn't know how he was going to be able to play, but yet that tough guy just got his ankle retaped and went out there and played again. Um, and it's important. You know, I, I, I thought at halftime if he didn't – if he didn't come back and play, I, I still thought Carolina would be able to win the game. Um, but when you have a kid that has been on record saying he would die for this university and the program, you're going to have a hard time keeping him off the court. And I do think that the reason why they allowed him to go back out there was just to keep the ankle a little bit warm and see how it would respond before he's going to go an aggressive, you know, 22 hour uh, treatment regimen. That way he'll be as a close to hundred percent, for tomorrow night against Virginia. So, um, you know, of course, it wouldn't be a Carolina tournament run, whether it's in the ACC or the NCAAs, without an injury. And Carolina's <laughs> got one to Armando Baycock. Let's move on now to the stat of the game. And I went field goal percentage. Just because, I mean, Carolina shot 55% from the field. 55%. I mean, there were games where Carolina shot 45% and we were calling it efficient. Because they've just had that that magnitude of struggles shooting the ball um, virtually all season long. But then they held Boston College to 45%. So when you shoot above 50% and then you defend the way that you defend, it makes the game easier. And I, that's something that I've really, I've really talked about all season long with this team is that they've defended well enough for their offense to reap the rewards. I said that like 38,000 times on Saturday against Duke, that they had defended so well that they needed to reward themselves on the offensive end, and it never came to fruition. They never once let their defense turn into offense. Well, that happened tonight. And they were, even though they only had five fast break points, they pushed the ball up the court while Boston College was still running back trying to get in position. They were getting to the rim. They weren't settling for perimeter jump shots. They they took Boston College out of a 1-3-1 zone because they moved the ball and did the things well. You got to do to attack a zone as uh as 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 particular as that. And so like when I when I looked at it tonight and I looked at the way Carolina played offense. That's the Carolina offense we expected to see back when the season started in November. An offense where everyone was unselfish, the ball moved, it went inside, outside, from one side of the court to the other, 
and they took efficient shot after efficient shot. I got to tell you, there was one shot the entire game I didn't like, and wow. that was the the Tyler Nickel three on the offensive rebound or that on an offensive rebound that led to Armando Baycott going for another rebound and turning his ankle. That's the only one where I was legitimately upset at the, at the shot we took. There hasn't been a game this season where they took less than five bad shots, in my opinion. So they're capable, and they proved it to themselves tonight, and I think their confidence will be just as high as it's been all season because for the first time really all year long, they played offense, and they played offense at a very high level. And now the goal, the challenge, will be hope- hopefully that carries over tomorrow night against Virginia. Yeah, and I mean, I think, I mean, there's a chance that it can because I, you know, they've shot relatively well in both games that they played against Virginia. Um, I mean, their biggest issue the first time when they played them in Charlottesville was just that they had nothing for them on the defensive end of the floor in the second half. Um, But this game, first, I I think we, we continue to see what the recipe is for this team. They have to start fast. If they start fast offensively, they are going to have a really good chance to win. Now, this game was different than even some of the other games that we've seen here recently that they've started quick on the offensive end because they followed that up in the second half and were even more efficient. I mean, they were they they were 18 of of 30 in the second half. Um so I mean, that's that's what you're looking for, but the biggest thing I mean, in the second half, they only hit three threes. That was followed following a half where they were 17 of 13 from the outside. I mean, you can't ask for much more efficiency from the outside. And we said this was a game that was going to have to be played inside out. And if you just look at the box score, you would say, well, that didn't happen. No, it did. Carolina being aggressive, going to the rim early on, getting offensive rebounds, led to this team having success from beyond the arc because they got those really good catch-and-shoot looks, which is what they need to do. They were creating good opportunities from beyond the arc because of their ball movement. And that's that's what you wanted to see from this team. And at times, it just it just doesn't seem like that is the case. It's It looks like a team that it, – it's just guys that feel like they need to step up and take over a game when really – just find the open guy and knock down shots. And I thought, you know, there were times they did it against Duke and it didn't go. Tonight it did. And now the question is, can that carry over, you know, in, into these other games down the stretch here? But, I mean, you look at the, really, you know, the the guard play. I, I thought, you know, it's about as efficient as you're going to get. Man, R.J. Davis, 7-12, to 12, tremendous. Uh Caleb Love, 9 of 20, that's one of his better performances of the season. So that's what you're looking for from this group. If, if they can give you anything even remotely close to that for the majority of this tournament, at least until you get to the final, um, then you're you're going to have a good chance to make the NCAA tournament. And you'd love to see if, heck, if they're going to get to the final, you'd love to see it extend over. And I wonder if maybe they 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 will sort of take that on their shoulders now to try to, try to take some of the load off of Armando because he is, is injured uh, yet again. And 
Yeah, I mean, the ultimate, the thing with Armando at this point, you're just hoping that it doesn't swell up overnight because, I, I mean, I, even if it does, I'm going to be honest with you, he's probably still playing because I don't think this dude, I, I, I just don't think it's in him to not play. And at this point, I mean, in terms of dealing with ankle injuries, yeah, I mean, you said that it started it started last year. Remember that he had an ankle injury in 21 against Ohio State, played the next game against Virginia. We didn't think he would play in that one. That was a really bad ankle roll. Um, we, you know, were told, you know, we were writing articles about it, trying to update it. And we were like, look, there is no way that this dude is playing after that injury. And he played in that game. It's just, I, I, I think at this point, the ankles for him, yeah, it hurts initially. And he has to leave the game and get evaluated after that. I don't know if he even has feeling in his ankles most of the time. He can because of how often he rolls them. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully he'll be all right. But if not, I got to tell you, I, one of the areas where I think they've looked a lot better here recently is when Pete Nance has to play the five. Um, clearly, you want Armando Baycott out there. But if his minutes have to be lessened a little bit and you do have to play Pete Nance at the five, I don't think it is the death blow that it was at other times earlier in the season. With that, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get you the latest offer we have from DraftKings. And when we come back, more thoughts, more takeaways from Carolina's 85-61 win over Boston College, which pushes them into the ACC quarterfinals. All that and more coming up next after this message from DraftKings. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus, in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Opt in and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus back. Guys, I do this all the time with over-unders. I do it with the first three porn that's going to be made by Stephen Curry or, 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 or you know, Ja Morant, LaMelo Ball, whatever it is. Do all these same-game parlay actions at DraftKings Sportsbook. And you can do so by downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the promo code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. We really hope you guys are taking full advantage of all the good offers I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. I do want to get back into the win over BC. And just a little, uh, another thing or two on Armando's uh, ankle injury. He did tell uh, Coach Davis that um, this ankle sprain is not as bad as the one, of course, he suffered at the Final Four last year or the one that he suffered at Virginia earlier this season, both games that Carolina would lose because they were without their most important player. 
And uh, I, I want to pick up kind of where you left off there before we went to break. I'm with you with the idea that Pete Nance does look better or, or has been a lot more efficient and effective at the five. Um, I've had plenty of people that know more about basketball than I do tell me that as well. But what it also does is it opens up the floor even more for Love and Davis to attack. And um, whether it's Dontre Styles or Leaky Black or whoever that is playing on the wings, wings, it also makes the game a little bit easier for those guys as well. And we've seen Coach Davis go to this this substitution pattern where he takes Baycott out and will sit him and play Pete Nance or Jalen Washington at the five to create a little bit of floor spacing. So, you know, obviously Carolina needs Baycott if, if they want to play for a very long time. But I do think that they, they have found something with a, a lineup without him off the court that if he can't play, you know, 34 minutes tomorrow, they should still have some confidence rolling out some different lineups and combinations as as they try to win their second game in as many days. I really want to talk about Carolina's ball movement. You know, 16 assists on 34 May baskets, so roughly half their shots were assisted on. And the biggest thing was, was that the ball just never stuck. And you know, there has been a lot of criticism towards Caleb Love that he's he's a ball stopper and that whenever the ball gets in his hands, the ball doesn't move. And even though he only had two assists tonight, he, he had a handful of hockey assists. He made the pass that led to a pass that led to a basket. But you look at Carolina starters, um, all of them registered an assist. And the fewest amount was two by both Nance and 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 Caleb. Baycott and Davis both had three. And then Leaky Black had four. And then off the bench, Trimble and Styles both had one. Um as Carolina's ball movement, it just permeated throughout the entire lineup. And that's that's something that I think is contagious. And that's something that just carries over from one game to the next. Because it's it's there's one thing to be unselfish and not make shots. That's what leads to players being selfish is when they're giving up the ball and guys aren't converting, well, then they're going to go play one-on-one. We're not good enough to play one-on-one. That's just a fact of the matter. When you play unselfish and your teammates reward you by making shots, then you start giving up good shots for great shots, something I've harped on really all season long. And, you know, I just thought that was something that was just – it was almost night and day. Like the other night against Duke, I felt like the ball got stuck, whether on one side of the court or in one in one person's hands. I thought in this game the ball just moved. It didn't matter where the ball was going and who was taking the shots. The ball flowed, and with that, that led to superb shot selection. I mean, Carolina just took quality shots all night long. And Jay Billis kept referencing that, well, Boston College never made them uncomfortable. Well, when you move the ball and you move the defense, you can never make an offense uncomfortable. That's been lost all season long is that Carolina has been so stagnant on offense because they haven't made the defense work. And tonight they made the defense work for a full 40 minutes. They scored over 40 points in both halves, shot uh, shot 55% from the field, over 40% from three. 
grabbed 10 offensive rebounds and led to 16 second chance points. And that's why I think when you chalk it up, this is as good as an offensive performance as Carolina's turned in all season long. Look, I mean, nobody's trying to say that Boston College is this great defensive team. Like, I mean, Jay Billis should know that. We've seen this team, uh, first of all, us now multiple times this year. We've also seen them play plenty of other games in the ACC this year. I mean, yeah, they're an inconsistent basketball team. Like, I, so you kind of, I mean, you play who's in front of you. Yeah, they they didn't make things comfortable, but I think credit or uncomfortable, but I think credit needs to be given to Carolina because, yeah, as you said, and we've seen this at times from this team this year when their offense has been humming, they move the ball extremely well when that is the focus, trying to, you know, keep things flowing on offense. Because I think one of the biggest issues that we've seen at times in some of these games, and the reason why we get frustrated, it looks like an NBA offense at times where it is so isolation-based and guys are kind of just standing around and watching. And you didn't see that at any point in this game. I thought, you know, the other night against Duke, you didn't really see it early. You saw Carolina being active. You saw Armando Baycott running the floor. But as the game wore on, and part of it may have been, you know, some of those guys wore down because of the way that they were trying to play early on. That might have been why the ball stuck a little bit more. But I think that's also something we've just seen throughout the year. And that's where I wonder, you said that it carries over. And I think there's a chance that it can, especially since this is such a short turnaround. That's the thing that I, I kind of love about conference tournaments is that you literally play the next day. So what you did the day before, you are able to sort of build off of that. I hope that that's, this is one thing that Carolina can build off of because we've seen at times this year, Carolina move the ball incredibly well and assist on nearly half of their offensive baskets or over half of their offensive baskets in certain games. But then – it, it, it starts to disappear in the next game or, you know, even if it is a little bit of a streak where they move the ball well, eventually Carolina has one of those games where they have four assists, five assists. That can't happen in this tournament. You have to move the ball to get those good looks because, yeah, we, we've said it. You have to play inside out. I think that needs to be yet again the focus in this game against Virginia because they're a team that has shown, and we saw it when we played them in Chapel Hill, they don't have the inside presence to play, you know, one-on-one against Armando Baycott. Even Pete Nance, I think, will give them fits inside if Carolina plays him on the post. Um, So I think that has to be the focus, but you have to be able to knock down some perimeter shots. And the best way to do that is through creating really good open looks with their ball movement. They did it tonight. Now let's see if it can carry over for the rest of this tournament. One thing I think we're going to look at and see if it carries over is Carolina's bench production. They got 23 bench points tonight. You got four from Seth Tremble, five from Dontre Styles, eight from DeMarco Dunn, two from Puff Johnson, and even four from Justin McCoy, what feels like a Tar Heel high for him in his two years in Carolina and you know um look there's there's no denying 
Carolina needs something from this bench if they want to go deep. It's just like, you know, you're not going to play your starters 37, 38 minutes a night and and play very far. It, it, you know, like you can do it in the NCAAs because you have a day off in between games. And then if you advance to the second the second weekend, you get five days off. And if you same thing if you go to the final four. Here were their minutes played tonight by the starters. 29 from Leaky Black, 36 from Caleb Love, 32 from R.J. Davis, 18 from Baycock. Of course, he left with the ankle injury. And then 29 for Pete Nance. Like outside of Caleb Love, and, and because Carolina lacks, you know, a lot of depth in the backcourt, someone's going to play a little bit longer than the other. That's manageable. That's what we said coming into the game. Look, you got to get the minutes down, especially, you know, starting right off the bat. You can get your guys off their feet at the under eight timeout. I mean, that you know, that that stuff goes a long way. And Carolina was able to do that because the game was pretty much over at halftime. But by the under 12-minute timeout of the second half, this thing was all but a wrap. And I really want to highlight, you know, DeMarco Dunn deserves his flowers. Eight points, three of five shooting, hit two threes, played 13 minutes. Man, Dontrez Styles was given an opportunity at Florida State, and he that turned into an opportunity against Duke, and that turned into an opportunity again tonight. And he scored five points, made both of his baskets. One was a three in eleven minutes, and you know for for that for that kid to still be dialed in, locked in. After not having the type of season I think he wanted to have, let alone what we expected him to have, man, you got to give him a lot of credit. And, you know, Coach Davis talks about, you know, I'm going to give every player an opportunity. I just don't know when, but it's their job to be ready when they're called upon. You know, the last three games, Carolina's needed Dontrez Styles, and he's gone on the court, and he's given them, he's given them something, and that makes it a lot easier for – you know, Coach Davis to look down the bench and and point him to come into the game in a critical moment. Same thing with DeMarco Dunn, getting those perimeter shots. You know DeMarco is going to play with great energy and effort. He's going to defend, but what really makes him more valuable on the court is when he makes those perimeter shots. And then Seth Trimble, you know, for a guy that's playing in his first ever ACC tournament, has really struggled, you know, the second half of the year here in, in, in the ACC season, just to see the ball go through the basket is going to do wonders individually for him and his confidence. So, you know, I, I, I was really pleased with what I saw from Carolina's bench tonight. And hopefully, hopefully this carries over once again tomorrow night, because, you know, even though you got a coach to win the game, you still got to kind of manage minutes in the back of your head. And so now I feel like Coach Davis and the staff will be a lot more willing, a lot more trusting to call certain guys off the bench to go out tomorrow and produce. Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Justin McCoy probably will not be involved. Um, I would love it if, if we could get to a point where he does actually be able to come into the game, especially against his former team. But everybody else, yes, I think – there, there is a legitimate chance that they are involved. Um, I'm with you. I think, you know, look, DeMarco Dunn was was fantastic. And we we said that. We we think that he is probably that guy in the backboard that needs to be most involved. And I think especially because we saw 
earlier in the season where he had a really nice game, got into a little bit of a rhythm in the middle of conference season, and then, you know, sort of lost his groove just a little bit. But he's capable of stringing good games together. In this type of setting, you feel like he can definitely help you off the bench. But Dontre Styles, look, I don't know why he wasn't playing earlier in the year. I have no idea. There has to be some reasoning behind why he is not playing or was not playing, I should say. But he got his, like you mentioned, he got that opportunity against Florida State, and now he he isn't looking back. It doesn't matter what happened earlier in the year. This dude has to be a part of what this team does moving forward. I think that along with Pup Johnson and DeMarco Dunn, really Dontrez Styles would give you eight. And that's the number I think you have to be at. I think that's that's probably your core group. And, I mean, look, Dontrez, since he came into that game against Florida State, all three games that he's been out there, we've had really good things to say about the way that he's played. Um, didn't have a big effect on the offensive end the other night against Duke, but did some really good things defensively. So he he gives you something on both ends of the floor. And I think that's kind of what you need off your bench. I know he's not the greatest offensive player, but he's giving you something in just about every game that he comes into. And, you know, I hope that Seth Trimble can maybe be a guy that joins them as well. Thing for him tonight, I know it was late in the game when he scored these points, but he got to the basket. That's what you have to do if you're Seth Trimble. He looked a little more under control tonight. So, yeah, that's the key for this team is they have to get some help off of their bench. I mean, believe it or not, Puff Johnson tonight, just two points, one of four from the field. Uh, He was the only player that finished with a, a negative plus minus in this game. So in terms of the guys off the bench, I mean, DeMarco Dunn, Dontre Styles, and maybe you, you would probably put Seth Trimble probably had better nights for him. So that's rather encouraging because we know Puff is going to be involved in what this team is doing moving forward to have other guys step up that give you, you know, a, a little bit of hope for this bench. I think it's something that you can be, you know, really excited about from tonight's game. And hopefully it will carry over moving forward. The one thing I'll say with Dontrez Styles is remember, this is kind of that time we saw we saw Dontrez Styles uh step up a year ago was during tournament time. So this could be where he sort of reemerges yet again for Carolina off that bench. Yeah, and if if that's gonna happen, um you're not gonna hear any complaining from any of any one of us here on the podcast because you know we we lamented all season long we thought he should have had more playing time uh coach davis kind of disagreed with that but he has re-emerged here as of late and, and is making the most of his opportunity and and that's what that's what march is is all about and you know usually making the most of your opportunity is you know go on a deep run in the ncaa tournament and right now, Carolina's got to go on a deep run in the ACC tournament for that to for that to happen. And there's there's this part of me that look, I'm not happy that Carolina's a seven seed. I'm not happy with how this season has gone. But when you look at how important this tournament is, this feels like the old days, man. 
And I just got done watching the ACC tournament documentary that the ACC Network put out last year. And it was fantastic. And they did a really great job telling the history of this conference that we all love. And I love very deeply with all of my heart. And in the old days, you had to win the ACC tournament to make the NCAAs. And, you know, in my lifetime, that's never really had to happen for Carolina, except in 2010. And then back in the 2019-20 season, which I think we all both would be in agreement and saying that wasn't happening. Carolina's got a chance to win this tournament. You know, when when you when you look at the draw, you look at the way that the bracket is set up, you know, they match up very well with Virginia, especially on a neutral court. You know, if they were to get through that, uh, NC State, who is blowing out Virginia Tech as of recording, you know, they play Clemson. But you would Carolina would, would like their matchup in this if they were to advance to face either one of those in the semis, and then in the in the final, you know. If they play Miami, Duke, or Pittsburgh, those are three teams that may have beaten Carolina, but but Carolina was very competitive in those games. And so, you know, right now what's what's important is that this team makes the most of the opportunity. And I think if they make the most of the opportunity, we're not going to be we're not going to be overly disappointed on Sunday because right now. We just want to hear Carolina's name called. It doesn't matter where Carolina goes, Mm -hmm. who Carolina plays, the time, location, none of that matters. As long as we hear their name called, that's all we we really care about. And and, And I truly believe if they make the most out of this, that come Sunday at 6 o'clock, you'll see Carolina's name on a bracket somewhere. One last thing I want to touch on um, before we get out of here because it is pretty late and we got to start getting ready for the Virginia game uh, tomorrow night. You know, this was brought up on the broadcast um, and, and it was a good job by ESPN making sure this got out there. If you guys didn't see it, the, the officials tonight were wearing uh, or, or their, their whistles were pink. And that's because Roger Ayers, a long time, great and respected official, not just in the ACC, but in all of in all of college basketball, he got a phone call the other day that his daughter um, has cancer, and his daughter just got out of grad school. So she's not much older than you and I, who as of as of today we're both twenty six years old. And I, I just want I want it to be known that look, Roger Ayers is a guy that over the years I've had some uh, some some choice words for him. Because I haven't liked some of the calls that have gone either against Carolina or in the favor of some other teams and other games that I was watching. But at this moment, none of that none of that matters. And the fact that this man is still refereeing why his daughter is starting to to battle cancer, I think goes to show you the the type of man that he is, um, the, the type of character that he has. And I just wanted to know that we're we're rooting for you know we're we're I'm not rooting for him but we're rooting or we're, we're thinking and we're praying for him and most importantly his daughter. Um, and I thought it was just a really nice gesture by the officials tonight wearing those pink whistles to show their support for him as he deals with you know what what is going to be a very hard battle uh, with his family as his daughter uh, does go through this battle with cancer. So um, with that, guys. This is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. Before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit the website, 
That's HeelToughBlog.com where you can find a game recap for tonight's game on the website. I had you ready with the preview. Same thing will be applying for Virginia. There will be an individual preview of the game on the website. And of course, there'll be a recap posted the night of as well. As for the podcast, you guys know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. But more importantly, we want you guys to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. But with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! It just doesn't get any sweeter than that.